Hi everyone, I'm Matt Arts. Welcome to a mini-series in partnership with the Royal Anthropological Institute of Great Britain in Ireland. This mini-series was created in anticipation of the upcoming Anthropology, AI, and the Future of Human Society virtual conference, which is being held from June 6th through the 10th of this year, 2022. So sit back and enjoy, and let's talk about the future. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. I'm here today with Anthony Pickles, uh, lecturer in social anthropology and international development, School of International Development uh, at University of East Anglia. And we'll be talking today about his upcoming presentation at the conference. Uh, title of the presentation is Pricing the Future of Politics, Prediction Markets, Gambling, and the Evacuation of the Casual Narrative. So, um, would you start by maybe just telling us a little bit about, before we get into the presentation, just tell us maybe a little bit about your background in anthropology and how you came to this topic? Uh, yes, just one little thing. Uh, it's causal narrative rather than casual narrative. Oh, I'm, sorry. Uh, on the last one, that's okay. Um, my background, so I'm a, I'm a social anthropologist who did my PhD research in Papua New Guinea. Um, I started out there uh, specifically looking at gambling um, and gambling as, a, as, a, as a, an adopted practice that came to be a kind of point of articulation between the, the informal economy and the, um, and the, the formal economy uh, and, and traditional gifting and sharing relationships. And, uh, and I came to this project rather late on thinking more, starting to think about uh, my other interest, which was in politics and finding a way of marrying uh, my interested in how politics works and with uh, my established expertise in, in, in gambling. Great. And so what in the first place drew you to gambling? Well, it's kind of a, it's kind of an interesting story, this, because I, um, I started out, um, I was, I did a lot of maths at school, um, uh, which is unusual for an anthropologist, but I didn't study any maths uh, anything related to numbers or mathematics in my anthropology undergraduate degree. Uh, and so I got this idea that I really wanted to learn about how people did maths differently in different places and how that might, I, I thought that would make a pretty big difference to the way people perceive the world. So I came across, um, I, I had my um, PhD supervisor pointed me to a couple of books. One of them was by uh, Yadra Mimitsa, a, a book based in Papua New Guinea called Intimations of Infinity. And it was all about the cosmology behind the um, counting uh, system of the people in Papua New Guinea. And I was just fascinated with just how profound a difference this, this had on the way people saw, saw things um, and conducting them, conducted themselves. And so uh, that, would, that book came out in 1988. So was, I, do, I couldn't replicate that kind of project. Um, so I wanted to, do, to look at something where... where, where um, uh, sort of um, the canon of mathematical math as it's taught in schools met uh, ma met uh, indigenous mathematics of various kinds uh, and in the end I chose gambling as a point where those things uh, played out or a, a, a point where you could have both interpretations happening at the same time uh, and then it you know the math side of things fell away and it became much more about the gambling and about the um, uh, the the way people use it in an economic, um, as an economic tool. 
And, and so, just to go back to to that book and the the comment of you know how it sort of shapes the way we see the world and and how different it was in Papua New Guinea. Um, could you just elaborate on that? You know, what in what ways was it different? And for anybody who's you know new to this topic, what? Well, I, will, I won't be able to do it um, justice, but I will. I, mean, I can. Um, I can summarize what I what I remember as being basically de- de- there was a creator de- deity called Omaliche. Um, who uh, was wrapped around, had his fingers um, uh, inter- interposed between his um, his toes. He was sucking on his own penis, which was his own, which was his umbilical cord. And then he came apart, um, his fingers and, uh, uh, and stretched out, and uh, his fingers and toes came to be uh, the pe- came to be people. And so the way that people can. Um, and, then, and and the, the 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 many came from the one, uh, the one created deity. He created the the world in that instant. And when so when people count, they are they count out rather than counting um, in abstract units. And when they get to a, get to the number twenty, all the fingers and toes, then they say one man or one man has died. And when they get to a multiple of 400, so tw- you count, you can then count one of those 20s on one finger. Uh, and then, if, but if you get to 20 20s, you get to, a, it's a, uh, get up to 400, then it goes back to being uh, one man is, is dead again. So as you, as you, as you go to greater, greater levels of, uh, of numbers, you're really just, just, um, Getting back to the original oneness of um, of the of the cosmos, and I just I just fell in love with that that idea. Yeah, really interesting. And so now, with uh, you know, with your focus on gambling, have you primarily looked at it there, or are you also looking at it across culture? I like to do um, comparison in my um, uh, in my research as much as I. Can I think that's it's a it's useful when you work uh, in an out of the way place like Papua New Guinea, um, and b I just think you know it's um, I think it's what anthropologists should do, uh, but I have primi- I have basically primarily explore explored gambling uh, among Papua New Guineans uh, and t- for for a number of years post uh, post PhD, um, and only very recently have I started looking started trying to find a second field site or a third field site because I work in two places in Papua New Guinea uh, uh, and decided to do some um, to look at gambling in a completely different kind of context but for me anyway one that smacks of a lot of the same kind of issues but but the context is, is radically different okay. and so now in the title of your presentation you have the term prediction markets so for anybody that that is a new term to you know what are you speaking of there well, yeah, a prediction market is basically you 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 foresee an event, you state an event, and you state the various possible outcomes of that event, uh, and you um, and then you you basically sell opinions on what those outcomes might be. So, uh, who's going to win the next election? Um, is it going to be President? Is it going to be President Biden, or is it going to be Donald Trump, or is it going to be uh, Ron DeSantis? Um, and you can buy though you can buy your opinions, and you trade against other people, and you create a um, you create a market 
for those various outcomes and for the uh, which which then weigh the weigh people's uh, opinions of the likelihood of things up against other people's and create a market that leads to uh, sort of a share price for an outcome and that's why they call them. And so when you speak of a share price in this sense, um, what kind of value really gets put on this? You know, how, how is value like sort of framed out in this sense? So it's, I mean, it's essentially a contract where, one, where you get, um, uh, you, you get 100% of, of a return. Uh, let's, say, let's say it's between Biden and Trump. It's the last, uh, last election. You have a, um, you buy a share in um, Biden for uh, 55 cents. And you, if you, if the outcome goes your way, you get a hundred cents. You get the full dollar, and the other person loses the 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 forty five cents on 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 those. Is that what you're asking? Uh, well, I'm sort of thinking more of like, um, you know, is this viewed as uh, is this something that's more economic, or is this sort of more like other forms of capital, in that you you know you're you have value in. Uh, what you're predicting, you know, and, and it has influence in other ways. Oh, it de it's definitely a, a, a means of, of of having influence, and it's not simply um, you know they, they are they are essentially binary contracts where where you either you either lose it all or you you, you get it back. But two that has two kind of um, uh, two other effects as a um, as a result of that. A people trade on public opinion so they you know they they don't think that um uh that so and so is likely to be the um the eventual winner of an event but they expect that their that their that andrew yang's um popularity will rise for a time and then they then they sell at the point that it's risen uh and then um uh, in anticipation of its of its fall so they trade these things that things like stocks and shares but they but it's also very, very common and well documented, and especially when it comes to uh, individual leadership um, contests, uh, that pe pe people um, will invest a lot of money in these markets in order to uh, manipulate their odds, in order to get, show themselves in a favourable light and create a, create a new story um, about that. There was an independent candidate in the London mayoral election recently uh, who. Um, just reduces odds down to four to one when he should have been something like um, forty to one by uh, by continually betting on himself, and that that gave him press for um, uh, for for a number of weeks and kept him in the in the hunt. It's the same for for um, Conservative Party uh, leadership elections and um, and various events like that. There's there is there's value to be made outside of it by basically influencing. Uh, popular narrative. How does it relate to sort of like broader market context and business, and you know, say the even like the profession of being a futurist? Yes. Um, well, well. So one of the things that's happening right now, there's a, there are a series of, of platforms that are um, that are just kind of came were launched in the last kind of year or so. Uh, to complement the, the the big one in the in the US at the moment is predicted, uh, but that's a kind of academic um, uh, product, uh, and the and but a number a number of commercial ones are being set up. And one of the uh, the ways that they 
um, have gotten themselves certified by the CDC, I think it's called in the US, um, and being allowed to trade is because they're set, setting, themselves, setting themselves up as hedging devices. So, you know, you're, you're investing in the price of grain, um, but you can, you can hedge on, on um, at something like, you know, will, will there be a drought in California in, um, in 2023? You can hedge against your, um, uh, the, the thing that you're, uh, that you're most interested in, on, in, in other markets. So these are small, these are small, but potentially very large, grow, potentially a growing uh, area for traders to kind of um, exploit either, either just their knowledge of politics or to, um, uh, or to, to find ways of, of, of uh, find different ways to make money that are complementary to, to their normal portfolio. Uh, I should also say that they, um, the, the idea behind a lot of these companies isn't, is not, um, they're sort of, they're like a lot of these tech companies, they're thinking about things in a very long term in terms of where they'll gain their profits from. And a lot of the companies themselves uh, think about themselves as becoming the, um, the, the place that people go to for accurate prediction of future events. And they can sell that or they can potentially set up um, uh, a series of markets on things that other the third parties might want to know, might be willing to, to, to pay them for. So that's kind of the long term time horizon for this kind of thing. And they, you know, there is obviously huge potential market value in, um, uh, in being, uh, a, you know, a recognized um, place where you can work out what's going to happen. Um, for the future of politics, but also a lot of, you know, m many, many other questions besides. If you can, if you can come up with a question that has a, uh, has a definitive outcome, then um, you can be, you know, then you can create a market on it in these places. It just, it, that just did make me think of one of the, one of the interesting caveats of this, which is that quite, very often things are much less, um, less clear-cut than you would imagine when it comes to deciding these outcomes. So, for instance, there was a market on whether North Korea will launch a, uh, a, a ballistic missile capable of reaching the mainland United States in, I think it was 2021, I'm not sure. Um, but uh, they, they, and they did, they launched a missile, but the market was based on the U.S. Defense Department acknowledging that that had occurred, but it's U.S. policy not to acknowledge this had happened. So they were never going to acknowledge it, even though it did happen. And so obviously um, the market failed, and and, and and the bets were not bets were not honoured uh, because um, because of a, a quirk of, of reporting and and, um, and and not understanding how how uh, not not tethering one's uh, one's outcome to a sufficiently reliable um, uh, source. Um, one of the potential uh, uh, uses of these markets, um, and this is an area that I'm on shaky ground I'm just getting into, but uh, one of these is, is basically in the world of cryptocurrency. It The idea of, um, the, one of the big problems with cryptocurrency is that you're on the, the you're on the blockchain and the value of the of the currency isn't necessarily tethered to anything 
in meaningful in life. Um, and so one, one of these prediction markets is selling, it's selling the services of tethering cryptocurrency outcomes, like whether you gain or win, um, gain or lose uh, cryptocurrency based on um, a kind of crowdsourced um, uh, prediction market system, wherein if people don't agree that they don't, if 10% of the, of the people in these markets fail to agree that Joe Biden won the election um, in 2020, then um, eventually at a certain point, those, the 10%, the, the value of their currency will, will, will disappear and it will fork into a, a new, there'll, there'll be two alternative worlds, uh, one where, where, the, where Joe Biden won the election and one where, where, where they didn't, and you won't be able to exchange currency across those two, those two places. And so one of the sort of innovation areas for these prediction markets is in making, making, their, ability to, making their ability to tie uh, things of value um, cryptocurrency, money, etc., to uh, real-world events that have some kind of um, uh, validity. So, you know, in talking through this, prediction has come up, gambling has come up. The people who are involved, do they frame it as gambling or do they feel it's prediction? Um, it, it really varies quite a lot. I mean, the professional gamblers are under no illusion that this is anything but gambling. Um, there are a lot of people who consider it trading or a kind of trading. Um, they basically just can't go in and go out um, uh, of various positions. And um, they, but for many of them, it doesn't make a, it's a distinction without a difference um, in what they, in what they do. But then there are certain, there are some platforms which don't involve, um, uh, don't involve payment. You basically get kind of reputation reward points for being the accurate predictor or forecaster of the, of the thing. And, and they, those people often talk about, um, about, pre about predicting things or making forecasts as a, a means of, um, of self-training, of producing better epistemics, as they say, in, in themselves and in the community and generally kind of fostering a more, um, uh, you know, a more open-eyed um, society and, and, and applying that to their own, uh, applying rigor to their own um, uh, political leanings. Uh, but for the, yeah, for the most part, um, I don't think, I've never had anyone vehemently suggest that it was not gambling. So, you know, the term gambling, at least in the US where I'm from, uh, you know, that implies certain legalities that are different than trading, which also has legalities around it, right? Um, and so how, you know, how's all of that being dealt with? You know, is there, uh, like say in the case where they're not, where you're, where they're not trading money, essentially, or, or gambling for money, but gambling for points, it seems, you know, relatively, you know, there would be no legalities necessarily around it. Um, but when, the, if there's money involved, then how, how are different countries handling that? 
Yes. Um, well, I mean, the UK really leads the way on on opening this up. Um, gambling on politics in the UK has been uh, legal and accepted uh, from for centuries. Um, but it's only in the uh, only in the age of the internet and the age of these betting exchanges where people bet against each other rather than against the, the, the bookmakers. That's um, that's when it's really kind of taken off. And so in in the UK, uh, political gambling and, and prediction markets are seen, um, you know, they're just a, they're, they're an arm of an already mature gambling industry. Uh, in the US, um, well, a lot of the, uh, the some of these platforms are specifically work through cryptocurrency as a main, as a means of skirting uh, legal regulations in um, uh, in the US, primarily in the US, um, but other places too. Uh, and uh, it's also been potentially used as a means to um, to launder money uh, using cryptocurrencies. But anyway, the but in the the in America. The um, IEM, that's the Iowa Electronic Market, so this kind of this this academic predictive tool that has been around since I think the 1970s or the early 1980s, um, is a is a small prediction market with limited stakes, um, very limited stakes in fact, um, and limited participation, and uh, that have been predicting the the presidential winner and, and various elections for a long time. So. And then predicted that came after that, uh, what was also set up as an academic uh, laboratory for for working for for, for creating better uh, forms of prediction. And so they they've used that as their framework, and they've also had limited uh, limited stakes uh, on on different outcomes. Now the first commercial one of these is, as I say, it's it was sold as a as a form of hedge as a as a an opportunity to hedge. Um, but it's also become a. Um, uh, it, it, it's all. Um, it's unclear what exactly has changed in the U.S. Um, except to say that the 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 um, lobbying power of uh, the land-based um, gambling uh, uh, gambling companies, that your casinos, has uh, waned. Uh, in the last few years, part, partly because of the passing of, of Sheldon, Sheldon Adelson. Um, so that just doesn't, that, it seems like the dam is broken to, to some extent. But they, but in, in America, you, there's, a, there's a very noticeable difference in the way that uh, this activity is presented in America. It's presented as a form of trading. It's like a, demo, it's a more democratized, uh, uh, easy, easily, easy to understand uh, form of of trading, but I, that focuses on politics. Uh, whereas in the in the UK, it's very much um, it uses the, the the numbers that that um, uh, the the odds that you see in in gambling. Um, you know, four to one, five to one. Um, it it doesn't present things in terms of a share price in a way that uh, they do in the US to try as as a means to to make themselves make it appear. Um, like it's not gambling, but it's sold as a as a as a powerful as a tool, as a tool that that um, has potentially great benefits for society at large, um, and is therefore worth um, you know worth allowing some people to gamble on. So yeah, I think that that dovetails nicely into the, my next question. Um, you know, having being involved in studying this, what do you see as the 
you know, potential benefits and, and threats? That's a great question. Um, but I can, I'm, I'm wondering to whom um, the, uh, uh, these benefits and, and threats, well, I mean, there's, there's, there's tremendous scope for um, uh, manipulating public opinion through manipulating these um, uh, these prediction markets, uh, but that's um, and it, it's also the case that you know when truly truly consequential you, matters of life and death are problematic things that like when you when Ukraine was invaded, uh, there was a lot of debate and, and conversation about um, uh, whether markets should be offered on this kind of thing because as you can imagine uh, there are various parties who have a very strong uh, interest in seeing one side of that um, uh, seeing you know Russia being as appearing like they were going to be successful or or um, or the other way around and then you're talking about you know defense department levels of, of funding to manipulate markets so there's there's potential dangers um, in that the in terms of offering uh, in terms of bene like benefits to it, I mean, it's it really has a um, one of the things. Actually, I will. It, it's difficult difficult to say, except as a new form of of um, of uh, crowd crowd led um, capitalization of uh, of our normal behavioral activity. That's just the path of the course, like. Um, like is, is what's going on in, in all in all other areas related to the internet. But um, I think one of the things that people do say, do tout as a benefit of these things, is that it is a uniquely, it has a uniquely civil discourse. Uh, there are a lot of the, 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 the predicted uh, message boards, or there's, there's, a, there's a website that's the center of this in the UK, which is called politicalbetting.com, and there they... Its members say that you get much more informed and much more um, uh, considered debate in these places because you might get challenged to um, uh, to bet on it, and therefore you you want to be right in that situation. You've got more of a stake in it, so potentially, uh, you know, that people see that as a potential benefit for, um, if it were more widely uh, uh, distributed. Good. And any, um, what do you see as the threats? Mainly, you know, the impact on, uh, you know, the public's understanding. Well, I mean, I think in the, I I haven't. I'm st I'm working towards a uh, uh, an analysis of what this does to our perception of politics. Um, I went into this project, and I'm I'm uh, five months into this project, um, but I went into it with the hypothesis that uh, this led people, this was a kind of um, reductionist coping mechanism by which people uh, deal with all the kind of existential uh, threats and crises that we seem to have had one after another after another um, by retreating into uh, thinking about politics as a game and, and gamifying politics, then people... Um, feel more able to cope with it and of course as a um, as a result that turns that that inserts a market logic into politics 
that um, makes that that generally kind of erodes the um, the importance of genuine political um, uh, uh, political genuine political narratives and interest and sort of replaces it with a a, a very crude you know, who do I think can win um, uh, and, and at the same time promotes a, um, a sort of unfettered um, almost libertarian view of how uh, markets should be employed in um, uh, in all aspects of our lives and therefore ha therefore uh, it's potentially kind of a um, uh, like a, a hidden a hidden gift to the to the political right, uh, but I um, I don't I'm not entirely sure whether I hold that position at this uh, at this point. It's not something that has um, that that has uh, that I've found very much in my um, fieldwork so far, um, and so I don't want to. I yeah I'm not sure I want to commit to it yet, but I. It it is still quite possible that that's um, that would that would be the my overall analysis. Good. Well, very interesting work. Um, for anybody who you know might not be able to attend the conference, where could they get in touch with you? Um, I have a Twitter account at at Polgam Research. I think um, I'm also uh, are available over email on a.pickles at uea.ac.uk. I'm just going to check exactly who, what is my Twitter handle. I'm that, I'm that good at Twitter. Um, um, I, also, I'm at Paul Gambling. And any other uh, upcoming talks on the topic? Just also... Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm participating in a workshop that's to, um, on um, uh, crowd crowd uh crowd activities in the in, on the blockchain uh and um that's it for now yeah sounds great well anthony thanks very much for for coming on it was a pleasure to talk with you thank you thanks all for listening for more information on the anthropology ai and the future of human society virtual conference visit the royal anthropological institute's website i'm matt arts and i hope to see you virtually at the conference